0: My task today is to sort of wrap up this brief but wonderful series on the gratitude paradox. I was here Tuesday, and as I was driving West Main to head back to the highway to go back home, I was at one of those signal lights that's kind of by an entrance and an exit to to the mall here in West Main, and the line was a little long, and there was a lady sitting there who wanted to get out and get into the lane and I could tell she'd been there a while so I thought I'll just stop and let her in and so she went in and she smiled, she waved, she said thank you and I felt good and I knew she felt good and coming up right behind her was a younger gal who was busy obviously talking on a cell phone because she wasn't looking and she just sort of made a quick glance and I thought I better wait and let her in and I did and she just drove in, she never said anything and I thought what a person she must be. And then I got to thinking, here I am, I've been spending Tuesday trying to figure out a sermon on gratitude, and it dawned on me again how easy it is to give gratitude, how easy it is to be hurt when we don't get gratitude, and God was giving me a little lesson right there on the spot. So today we're going to take a closer look at at gratitude. To do that, a very familiar story from the 17th chapter of Luke, chapter 17, beginning of verse 11 down through verse 19. Let us hear this word of the Lord. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Lord God, as it's appropriate for today, you have said that in your word that as the rain and the snow come down and water the earth, so your word comes down and waters us and it bears its fruit. For you always accomplish your purpose when your word goes forth. We pray you'll do that now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Dr. Alexander White was famous for his pulpit prayers. It seemed he always found something to thank God for, even in the bad times. But on one particularly bad morning, a member of his congregation thought, preacher will have nothing to thank God for this morning. But White began his prayer... We thank Thee, O God, that it is not always like this. <laughs> kind, of, kind of appropriate for today, isn't it? The truth is, it's easy to be ungrateful. It's easy to exp- not so easy to express our gratitude all the time. Jesus' encounter with the ten lepers has a great deal to say about the role of gratitude in our lives. So let's let's dive into Luke's account. We begin with what I call an atmosphere of gratitude. Leprosy. Leprosy was considered to be the result of sin. If you had leprosy, it means you were an awful sinner. And those who contracted it were deemed unclean and incurable and simply doomed to live a slow, painful death. They were banished from society. They couldn't have any nearness or contact with anyone else lest they make them unclean and give the disease to them. And you're familiar with this scene. Most of us learned it in Sunday school years ago. Ten lepers mustered up the courage to come to Jesus at a distance, call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I find Jesus' response to be very interesting. He didn't say they were healed. He didn't say they were cleansed. All he said was, go and show yourself to the priests. Now you went to the priests to have verification for your healing, but the ten had not yet been healed. So I wonder what was going through their minds when Jesus said that to them. Did they want to ask him why he didn't heal them? Did they have faith enough to maybe believe that they had been healed all we know is they turned and went and as they went they were cleansed what an atmosphere for gratitude I mean it can't get any better than that Jesus had done the impossible no questions asked he had saved their lives he had healed them and he had restored them to their standing in society Come to think about it, it's sort of like us here this morning. We've come into Jesus' presence, pleading again for mercy, hoping for a touch from Jesus, and because he's full of compassion and mercy, with no questions asked, he invites us to gather around his table, cleansed, healed, and forgiven. What an atmosphere for gratitude. But notice the rest of the story. One of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet, and thanked God. And Luke adds, and he was a Samaritan. That leads Jesus to make an assessment of gratitude. And Jesus said, weren't there ten who were cleansed? Where are the other nine? Is only this foreigner here to thank me? Now think about it. The non-Jew, the one who was supposed to have nothing to do with Jews, is the one who returned to give thanks. And the nine who knew better, they didn't. And while Jesus was glad for the one, can't you hear the disappointment in his voice as he wonders, where are the other nine? Shouldn't they have known better? That's why I say it is easy to be ungrateful or not to express our gratitude when we're caught up in the moment. In fact, as he wrote about the increasing degradation of society, Paul in Romans 1.21 said, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. And interestingly, later on, and what was probably the last letter he wrote, his second letter to Timothy, he was talking about the future, and he said to Timothy, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Is it any wonder that Jesus was disappointed, perhaps even disturbed, Think about it. How do you feel when you do something that blesses someone and blesses others and nobody acknowledges what you've done? Be honest about it now. How do you feel? Whenever I think about that, my mind goes back to my ninth grade graduation. Now, for those maybe too young to realize that, that in those days we had junior high, so it was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and you graduated from ninth grade as well as twelfth grade. And they asked for people to submit themes for our ninth grade graduation, and I submitted what was turned out to be the winning theme. And I was so excited about it. And the night came, and there were programs and banners that were emblazoned with a theme all over the place. But nowhere did I see any credit for having done it. And I was crushed. And my heart was broken. You see, the lack of thanks does hurt us, if we're honest. And it even hurts for Jesus. And yet, in the midst of that disappointment, Jesus makes a declaration. He told the Samaritan, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And that word well is really the key word for our paradox today because it's translated several ways in the Bible. The word used for well can mean to save, to heal, to make well, or to make whole. So the question is, what did Jesus mean when he said that? Did he mean that they were healed physically or that they were saved, or that they were spiritually well? And the answer is yes. (laughs) He meant all of them, I believe. The Samaritan's initial faith is what healed him physically, and his gratitude is what made him whole spiritually. He was now whole. Jesus never said those words to the other nine. They never received the blessing of, of total wellness and wholeness. And thus our gratitude paradox for this morning. When we compare the Samaritan with the other nine, it is we find it is possible to be healed and not be well, to be saved and not be whole. Let me say it again. It is possible to be healed but not be well, and to be saved but not be whole. Gratitude is the key that's what made the Samaritan whole Jesus is not teaching that salvation comes by gratitude just say thanks and you're saved but he's teaching that gratitude is what makes us whole gratitude is what provides wholeness it is the key to wholeness are you well this morning are you whole how can you tell Examine your life. Is your life an arena of gratitude? It should be. And it can be. Interestingly, the word gratitude is from the same root as the word grace. Only when we understand and accept how gracious God is to us can we be grateful people. That's where it starts. And the word thanksgiving is from the same root as the word think. So you put those together, you think about life accurately, is to thank God continuously in the midst of life. Now that takes effort because the devil's always trying to keep us ungrateful. In an African dialect, Kare, K-A-R-R-E, the expression for thankfulness is to sit down on the ground <clears throat> before another. So thankful kari will go to the home of his benefactor, sit on the ground before his hut. No words need to be spoken. His silent vigil is his gratitude. And so we, as people who are thankful to God, can simply enter into his presence and enjoy his presence, much like we do this morning, even sometimes without saying a word. Think about what we do during communion. So what do we do when we're in God's presence? First, we focus on God's provisions. I love the story of an immigrant shopkeeper. His son came in to him one day and said, Dad, I don't understand how you run this store. You keep your accounts payable in a cigar box, your accounts receivable on a spindle, and you put your cash in the register. You never know what your profits are. He looked at his son and he said, Son, let me tell you something. When I arrived in this land, all I owned was the pants I was wearing. Now your sister's an art teacher. Your brother's a doctor. You're a CPA. Your mother and I own a house and a car and this little store. Add that all up, subtract the pants, and you have our profit. I love that. Because a whole person understands that we came into this world with nothing and everything that we have is a blessing from God. So, let's think about what you have. How many of you own at least one Bible? How many of you own more than one Bible? Do you realize you're abundantly blessed because about a third of the world doesn't have access to even one? How many of you can actually read your Bible? Well, do you realize that That makes you blessed because over 2 billion people in the world cannot read it all. If you woke up this morning with with more health than illness, you're more blessed than the million people who won't make it through this week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, or the torture or pangs of starvation, you're ahead of 500 million people around the world every day. If you could come to church or if you could freely be online or if you could speak of Jesus somewhere or gather together with God's people without fear of harassment or torture or death, you're more blessed than three billion people in the world. How many of you have some food in your refrigerator? How many have leftovers in that refrigerator? If you've got food in your refrigerator and a good place to sleep and clothes on your back, you're better off than three billion people in the world. If you have money in the bank If you have money in your wallet If you've got a little bit of loose cash You're in the top 8% Of the world's wealthy If you can hold someone's hand And hug them Or even touch them on the shoulder You are blessed Because you can offer God's healing touch If you believe in Jesus as the Son of God You may be a minority But you're a powerful minority in the world Think of what you have And Remember, God provided your salvation. I know some of you remember, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. Remember, as Psalm 103 says, God provides your benefits. He forgives your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. One of the hymns we sang in the hymn sing this morning says it so beautifully. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies for the beauty of each hour of the day and of the night hill and veil and tree and flower sun and moon and stars of light for the ear and for the eye for the heart and mind's delight for the mystic harmony linking sense to sound and sight for the joy of human love brother, sister Parent, child, friends on earth and friends above, for all gentle thoughts and mild. For thy church that evermore lifteth holy hands above, offering up on every shore her pure sacrifice of love. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. In his presence, focus on God's provisions. But focus also on God's providence. Remind yourself that in all things, God is already at work. No matter how good or how bad it may seem to you at the time, God is at work guiding, directing, bringing about His purposes for your life. Job said he'd learned one thing through all of his experience, that the purposes of God would not be thwarted or crushed or frustrated. No matter what your situation, no matter how bad it may seem, remember you can say, God is bigger than any problem, and He is present right then in the midst of it. And you can simply say, God, I praise you, because you're bigger than this mess that I'm in. That's basically what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote those familiar words to the church at Philippi, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... Every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Case in point the barracks where Corey Tenboom and her sister Betsy were kept in the Nazi concentration camp in Ravensbrück was tremendously overcrowded and it was infested with fleas. Now miraculously, they had been able somehow to, to smuggle in a Bible, so they were able to have Bible studies, and they began to read the verses about giving thanks at all times. Betsy decided that, that meant thanking God even for the fleas, and Corey thought, None, there's no way I can do that. But Betsy persisted, and eventually they both gave in, and they, they prayed to God, thanking Him even for the fleas. During the next three months, a wonderful but curious thing happened. The guards never tried to enter the barracks where they were staying. That means the women were not assaulted. It also means that a miracle could happen. They could have all kinds of Bible studies during which many women were led to faith in Jesus Christ. It was only at the end of their time in the concentration camp that they discovered where the guards had left them alone and wouldn't come in their barracks. It was because of the fleas. Hmm. So thank God for how He will use all things for good in the lives of those who trust Him. In these tumultuous, troublesome times, the trusting prayer of gratitude is challenging. And when you feel that, that challenge, take a moment to focus on God's pro- provisions and God's providence, remembering what He gives and what He does. Remember the fleas of Raven's Brook and thank God anyway. But then, too, focus also on God's praise. Focus on giving God praise. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, praise the Lord, in some translations, it's bless the Lord. Praise, bless the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise and bless the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. The Bible is full of reasons we ought to be praising God and lifting up his name with thanksgiving. First Chronicles 16:34, "Oh give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his lovingkindness is everlasting." Psalm 18:21, "I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation." Psalm 139:14, "I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made." Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Moving over into the New Testament, Ephesians 5, 20 says, Giving thanks for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Of God for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God, why He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Two Corinthians two fourteen. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance and the knowledge of Him. Two Corinthians nine fifteen. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Colossians 1, beginning at verse 11, Joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews thirteen fifteen, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. Have you ever wondered if God notices or hears your praise and your thanks? Listen to Revelation 4, beginning of verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down. Now, notice, that's us. Whenever we give glory and honor and thanks to him, The 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. I want you to notice something that I just noticed this week. That means when we give thanks, the elders get busy and get down on their knees at the throne of God and praise Jesus. And what do they do? They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. Our praise and our thanks bless Jesus. And gratitude blesses us as well. Last week, Becky beautifully shared with us thanks to God for what he was doing in her life. And we were blessed. And I haven't checked with her yet, but my guess is Becky was blessed as well. That's what blessing does It flows from the spirit of gratitude. It leads to wholeness. Always remember, it is possible to be healed but not be well, to be saved and not be whole. Gratitude brings wholeness. It is the key to wholeness. The great preacher John Henry Jowett said, Gratitude is like a vaccine, an antitoxin, and an antiseptic. He meant that gratitude, like a vaccine, can prevent the invasion of disgruntled, discouraged spirits. And like an antitoxin, gratitude can prevent the effects of the poisons of cynicism, criticalness, and grumbling. And like an antiseptic, a spirit of gratitude can soothe and heal the most troubled spirit. So we can stop in the midst of any situation and simply breathe, Thank you, Lord. And it can change everything. So lean into gratitude. People who focus on their blessings are a blessing to be around. Now, there's no shame in weeping and crying and being miserable once in a while. I mean, even Jesus wept. God wept. But the whole point is, gratitude is the ground out of which a peaceful, thankful, trusting spirit develop. So our lives, quite simply, are to be arenas of gratitude. That's our task. Develop our lives of gratitude. How do we do it? I love what Henry Ward Beecher wrote. He said, if one should give me a dish of sand and tell me where the particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through the sand and it would draw to itself the most invisible particles of iron. The unthankful heart, like my finger in the sand, discovers no mercies. But let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find some heavenly blessings. So what does it mean to sweep through the day? A few-time Academy Award-winning actor Denzel Washington has repeatedly publicly stated that he reads his Bible every day and he strives consistently to get up and speak of what God has done for him. Speaking one time at a, at a church banquet, he urged his listeners to live in a constant attitude of gratitude for God's goodness. This is what he said. Give thanks for blessings every day. Every day. Embrace gratitude. Encourage others. It is impossible to be grateful and hateful at the same time. And then Here's what I love. I pray that you put your slippers way under your bed at night so that when you wake up in the morning, you have to start on your knees to find them. And while you're down there, say thank you. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. Thanksgiving and gratitude come from careful cultivation of our lives. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And then these words, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is one other alternative. It's possible to be healed but not be well, and to be saved and not be whole. But gratitude is the fountain from which wholeness flows. Pastor Martin Rinkert was in Eilenburg, Saxony during the Thirty Years' War. His walled city saw a steady stream of refugees pouring through its gates. Eventually the Swedish army surrounded the city. Famine and plague were rampant. Over 800 homes had been destroyed and the people began to perish. And there was tremendous strain on the pastors inside the walls, many of whom conducted dozens of funerals a day. And finally the pastors, too, Succumbed, and only Rinkert among the pastors was left alive. He did up to 50 funerals a day. When the Swedes finally demanded a huge ransom, Rinkert gave up the safety, so-called safety, behind the walls, went outside the gates, and he pleaded for mercy. The Swedish commander was... So struck by his courage, he lowered his demands, and shortly thereafter, the Thirty Years' War ended. Shortly after that, there was going to be a celebration, and for that celebration, Rinkert wrote these words. Now thank we all our God, with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices, who from a mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us, with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us, and keep us in his grace, and guide us when perplexed, and free us from all ills in this world and the next. All praise and thanks to God the Father now be given, the Son and him who reigns with them in highest heaven, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore, for thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. How could he do it with all he went through? Fifty funerals a day. Rinkert's gratitude flowed from his relationship to Jesus Christ. And so it's appropriate as we conclude this series to come to our Lord's table and to remember his benefits and to gain wholeness so we can go forth doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May it be so. Let's pray. Lord God, we sow. So covet your blessings. You have provided for us, you have providentially led us, and so often we have failed to give you the thanks that is due to you. Now, as you reveal yourself to us afresh in these coming moments around your table, speak to us, stir our hearts. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.